Hello, you're listening to the No Fucks Given podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Knight, author of the No Fucks Given Guides, a series of self-help books for people like me who hate being told what to do. Just like the books, the podcast is fun, sweary, and full of tips and techniques for giving fewer better fucks and living your best life. Let's get to it. First, I just want to thank you for listening to the No Fucks Given podcast, for all the people who have been here since the beginning a couple of months ago, and for the new listeners. I hope it's helping you. I also hope it's entertaining you, but I really, really hope it's helping. Uh, Like I said last week, this recent spate of episodes is geared toward anxiety and freaking out and worrying of all varieties, not just people who have clinical anxiety but people who have shitstorms on the radar any given day and are just trying to deal with them, keep their heads above water, you know, get through it all, solve some problems, particularly without making them worse. And to that end, I want to kick things off with a little segment I call Don't Get Me Started, which is a way for me to get some thoughts out of the way up front so that we can get down into the nitty gritty of solving things. When I am freaking out, I hate it. When people say everything's going to be okay, or it's not as bad as you think, or look on the bright side, the fact is sometimes shit is really, really bad, and I don't want the platitudes of somebody trying to talk me down and tell me that everything's going to be okay or invalidating the anxiety that I feel about whatever has happened or is about to happen to me. Um, And as such, you know, I'm a realist. I'm a pragmatist. I turn toward rational, logical thinking to get me down from my highest highs of anxiety and forward into solving the goddamn problem. So on today's episode, I want to sympathize with you and I also want to give you real actionable solutions to these freakouts that you may be having, you may one day have. Um, And this starts with what I call the three pillars of calming the fuck down. Acknowledge, accept, address. And believe me, I know that calm the fuck down is not something that anybody with anxiety wants to be told in the middle of a freakout. But in my view, it's more that we don't want to be placated and we don't want to be condescended to and we want to be heard when we say that everything is fucked Uh, We don't want to be told, oh, it's not so bad. Oh, it'll get better soon. Oh, you don't have to worry so much about it. The fact is, often you do have to worry about it. It is really bad. And the only thing that you can do to make it better is change your mindset from freaking out about the stuff you can't control to focusing on the stuff you can, which was a big topic of last week's show. So I'm going to do a little recap of last week and tell you what to expect from this week. Okay, real quick, last week on episode 10, I focused mostly on shit that hasn't happened yet, acknowledging your what-ifs, listing them out, and breaking them down into likely versus unlikely problems. I advised you to ask yourself what I call the one question to rule them all, can I control it? And if the answer is no, to let it go. The main way to let something go is first by accepting reality, okay? So remember, acknowledge, accept, and then address. Only after accepting the reality of your situation, not liking it, not being cool with it, or pretending that it doesn't bother you, just accepting the reality, then and only then can you move forward on addressing the stuff you can control. I walked you through all of that last week, again, with particular focus on shit that hasn't even happened yet. 
by conserving your freakout funds, that time, energy, and money, and or converting them into action using my NFG tip from last week, Phew, P-H-E-W, Productive, Helpful, Effective, Worrying. And that was all good stuff. I stand by it. But I also promised more specific, targeted tips, and these tips are a little more granular because they are predicated on precisely which kind of freakout you are anticipating or experiencing. And a lot of it is with regard to shit that has already happened. So again, this week's episode is kind of a bookend to last week. Today, I'm going to talk about the four faces of freaking out, anxiety, sadness, anger, and avoidance, what they look like, how they tend to play out, and what you can do about them. I'm going to tell you a little story about Mexican airport syndrome. I'm going to talk about the flip sides of those freak out faces and give you eight solid tips for getting to the flip side using something I call sleight of mind, which is another form of addressing your worries. Acknowledge, accept, address. Finally, don't forget to listen to the end for your weekly NFG tip, which I personally return to on a regular basis. Hint, it involves turning off all that useless chatter in your brain so you can go to sleep at night. Okay, guys, so stay tuned for the four faces of freaking out. As I've done with all of my books, when I was writing Calm the Fuck Down, I conducted an anonymous survey and asked questions about people's anxiety and how they experience it. From these answers, I narrowed down four general categories of freakouts. Um, you may be experiencing anxiety, sadness, anger, or avoidance, and I call that ostrich mode. I'll get into that in a minute. Um, I want to be clear that you are not necessarily exclusively an anxious freakout face or exclusively an anger freakout face. You could be experiencing any one of these at any given time. So, for example, I most often uh, approach my problems and freakouts with an anxiety mode, but I do very, very, very occasionally get angry, and I somewhat more than occasionally turn to avoidance or ostrich mode. So definitely listen through the whole episode, even if you think you know which freakout face you are, because I'm pretty sure that any one of my tips could come in handy at any given time for you. We'll start with anxiety, what it looks like, why it's bad, and what you can do about it. Anxiety comes in many forms, and for the uninitiated, it can sometimes be hard to identify what's going on with you and why. For example, my anxiety can come in terms of stomach aches. It can come as pounding headaches. It can come as extreme exhaustion, and it can come in a really massive way, sometimes without seeing it on the horizon at all, as a full-blown panic attack. And again, this episode and all of this advice is not necessarily for people like me who really have daily clinical anxiety, but for anybody who identifies as a worrier or who, when something bad happens to them, defaults to this panic mode, even if panic mode is not something they live with on a day-to-day. So why is an anxious reaction, the anxious freak-out face, bad? Well, of course, in addition to the symptoms, including but not limited to those that I described 
a minute ago, uh, what it really does is it spurs overthinking. And overthinking is the antithesis of productivity. So when you have to calm the fuck down about something in order to deal with it, if you are stuck in your anxious freak out face mode, then chances are you are going to be overthinking the fuck out of it and you're never going to be able to get out of that gear and move into productively solving your problem mode. I often think about anxiety as a housefly, those buzzy black flies that are just always dipping and swooping and they land for half a second and then suddenly they're six feet away from you and it seems like you're never going to be able to catch it. You're never going to be able to kill it. Um, and it doesn't even want to land on you. It just wants to be in your headspace buzzing around and driving you batshit crazy. You know, what is your problem, fly? What do you want? What do you want me to do about it? Um, that is how anxiety feels. And that anxiety reaction to problems is just this constant buzzing that you can never seem to get a handle on. So the flip side is focus. And I'm going to talk about what I call sleight of mind later in the episode. And these are ways for you to get from your anxious freak out face or your sad, angry or avoidance face over to the flip side. So for anxiety, that is going to be focus. But first, moving on to our second freak out face, sadness. What does that look like? Well, pretty obviously, it could look like sobbing your little brains out. Um, but it could also look like staying in bed all day. It could also look like getting really quiet and withdrawing. Um, and I want to make a distinction here between sadness and depression. As I always tell you guys, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a licensed therapist. So take my advice in the way that it is offered, which is things that have helped me deal with my massive anxiety and other big life problems and have worked that I am conveying to you on the No Fucks Given podcast. And when it comes to sadness, I've been there. I felt that. I've also felt true depression. And they're very different things. And depression requires a whole other set of tools to handle it properly and well. But for now, we're just talking about if you're somebody who defaults to sadness, to crying, to high emotion, um, and even to self-pity, when something goes wrong. Wallowing in this stuff can be exhausting. I mean, just think about how tired and wrung out you are after a big cry. And if this is your response to pretty much anything bad that happens to you, then buddies, you are going to be exhausted all the time. And we're going to work on that, as I said, coming up in the section, getting to the flip side with slight of mind. Uh, but for now, let's talk quickly about the next freakout face, anger. As I said in my book, Calm the Fuck Down, I don't actually tend to get angry. I don't know why that is. Maybe because my parents didn't fight in front of me. Um, maybe because I'm just a stone cold bitch who skips getting mad and goes straight to getting even. But I can tell you that my husband, who is one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet, I mean, people literally refer to him as one of the nicest people they know, his freak out face is anger. That is where he goes long before he goes to anxiety, sadness, or avoidance. 
he just has a a short fuse and maybe you do too. And the problem with anger is that, sure, maybe it feels good to yell and scream or, you know, punch a wall or, well, that probably doesn't actually feel good in the end. Um, But, you know, to just kind of blow off some steam by getting really angry about something, whether it's at a person or at an inanimate object. The main problem with anger as a coping mechanism is that it makes things worse. So, I mean, we're talking raising your blood pressure or perhaps damaging relationships with people uh, when you lash out in anger, you know, and even adding new problems on top of the thing that made you angry in the first place. And suddenly things are looking even worse than they did 10 minutes ago. Um, To illustrate this, I would like to tell you a quick story about what I call Mexican airport syndrome. Many years ago, my husband and I were flying back from a family vacation with his family, with my in-laws, from Mexico. And we were changing planes in Mexico City and then flying back into the U.S. to our respective destinations from there. So all of us had been on the first leg of the flight And then, depending on where we all lived, we were catching our connecting flights from there. So my husband and I were flying back to New York. And somehow, I did not have a seat on this flight. Now, as I recall, the trip had been booked using a travel agency. My sister-in-law had handled it. It was really unclear why I didn't have a seat. It was definitely a snafu of some sort. And it, of course, made me really anxious, Um, and it made my husband very angry. And I just want to say again for the record, my husband is a really nice guy. He's not going to commit physical violence on anyone. But I saw on his face that he was in the process of going from zero to 60 in getting really angry about the situation, and I was pretty sure that if I let him talk, he was going to make it worse. Fortunately, we've been together long enough that I was able to accomplish this with, uh, with a well-placed look. Um, but, you know, the fact is that getting irate, uh, losing your cool, even just speaking at high volume to somebody behind an airport check-in desk about your uh, issue is not going to get it solved for you. Those folks hold your fate in their hands, and they are far less likely to want to help an angry customer than they are to help someone who is able to get a handle on their freakout and treat them with calmness and respect. And in the end, the goal here was to get me on the plane, not for both of us to be detained in Mexican airport jail. So uh, with regard to people who experience the angry freakout face, I always say you don't want to succumb to Mexican airport syndrome. You got to get a handle on that. And the flip side is piecing out with perspective. So I will give you a couple tips for that when we get to sleight of mind. Uh, But finally, just want to talk about the fourth and last freak out face avoidance, which I also call ostrich mode. The fourth freak out face is one that I have been known to use uh, less sparingly than I might care to admit. And what happens is I find myself freaking out about something. I don't know what to do. I can't focus. And I walk over to the couch and I bend over and I stick my face in the corner uh, of the couch cushions and ass in the air. And I just I just stay there for like five minutes, uh, like an ostrich burying its head in the sand and refusing to acknowledge what's going on around me. Now, 
I also know that ostriches don't actually do this. It's just kind of a weird myth that many of us have come to believe, but I do kind of play fast and loose with the metaphors here on the No Fucks Given podcast, so, you know, consider yourself warned. The point is that sometimes you're so freaked out, you can't do anything about it, and you go straight into avoidance. And the most insidious part about ostrich mode is not only that undealt with shit begets more shit, similar to your anger freakout face making things worse, like avoiding dealing with a jury summons could lead to you getting fined, and avoiding dealing with paying those fines could lead to a bench warrant and eventually a misdemeanor on your permanent record because you went all ostrich mode when you got called for jury duty. And full disclosure, I'd freak out about that too. I hated getting called for jury duty because it started me down the path of worrying about how long I was going to be away from work and what I was going to miss and how I was going to catch up on nights and weekends if I had to go serve on a jury. But, you know, that doesn't mean that you just let yourself go into avoidance mode and never deal with the fact that you've been summoned for jury duty. You got to deal with it. And therefore, the flip side to ostrich mode and avoidance is taking action, any kind of action to snap yourself out of it and yank your head up out of the sand. So in just a little bit, I'm moving into my top strategies, two strategies for each freakout face, eight helpful, practical strategies, some of which you may have heard before and some of which I guarantee you haven't for dealing with your freakout faces. And I just want to quickly remind you that you can get the show notes for this podcast on my website at nofucksgivenguides.com, where you can also find out more about my books and my journals and the Which Freakout Face Are You quiz, which lives on my website. So once you've listened to this episode, you probably know or have a better sense of which freakout face you might be experiencing at any given time, but there is a fun quiz that you can download from my website at nofucksgivenguides.com, which freakout face are you, to catch you up if you need a refresher. Coming up next, welcome to the flip side and how to get there using sleight of mind. A couple of weeks ago on the podcast in my monthly You Asked For It audio advice column, the NFG tip at the end of that episode was flip the script. And that's something that we're going to do today. We are going to get to the flip side of these freak out faces. And as I said earlier in the episode, these flip sides are generalizations. You know, the flip side of being sad is being happy. Uh, but I think that people work well with generalizations because then you can take the advice and you can apply it universally across different people's problems at any given time. The idea is to give you these simple tools that you can use in your own life to get to the solutions that you need. None of this is super complicated. None of it is hard to implement, I promise. And a lot of it is actually kind of fun. So for example, are you anxious and therefore overthinking everything? You get to the flip side with focus. You narrow things down into small manageable chunks. This is something I have talked about at length on earlier episodes of the podcast. And I'm going to give you a couple of tips to do so. Or are you sad and exhausted by your sadness? In this case, you're going to get to the flip side. 
you're going to repair with self-care. You're going to treat yourself the same way you would treat a friend who was sad. You're going to have compassion. You're going to rest up. You're going to get your energy back. And that's going to help you let it go and move forward. If you're angry and therefore highly likely to be making shit worse, you need to peace out with perspective. You know, you can't necessarily elbow yourself in the ribs the way I almost elbowed my husband in the ribs in that Mexican airport, but you can take a pause and imagine how your current actions are likely to adversely impact your near or far future. Think about the fact that what you're about to do in anger is highly likely to make everything worse and go from there. I'm going to give you a couple of tips on how to do that. And finally, are you ostriching? Are you avoiding and just prolonging your agony? Well, the flip side to avoidance is action. Take one small step, no matter how small, infinitesimal, anything that is going to break you out of that pattern of avoidance. And I have a couple tips for doing just that coming right up. I'm really excited to talk to you guys today about something I call sleight of mind. You know what sleight of hand is. It's the way a magician distracts his mark, uh, his audience, from the trick that he's performing to make it all look like it was seamless magic. Well, I'm going to teach you a little bit about how to distract, redirect, reroute your brain from freak out face mode, whichever one that might be, and over to the flip side. We are going to Houdini that shit. Tip number one, give anxiety the finger. Now, when I'm starting to feel anxious, I tend to roam around the house wiggling my fingers. It kind of looks like jazz hands for the deeply uncoordinated. And my husband refers to them as my decluttering fingers because this is always the prelude to me doing some manic tidying, which gets my mind off of the anxiety that I'm experiencing over any other particular situation and channels it, focuses it. Remember, getting to the flip side of anxiety and overthinking is focus. So I wind up taking that nervous energy, taking those worries, shuffling them to the back of my mind and focusing on something that I can do in this case, a hands-on task, which is why I call it giving anxiety the finger. Now, maybe housework is not your preferred way of distracting yourself and dealing with anxiety. Sometimes I go all Mr. Miyagi and I take my kitchen scissors out to the yard where I have this giant papyrus bush and I just start clipping it, pruning it stalk by stalk, and it just it calms me down. It gives me somewhere to focus my energy that is not inside my brain. It's on my hands. It's moving stuff around. It's dusting. It's making sure that I don't accidentally chop off a thumb. So giving anxiety the finger is when you're in that anxious freak out face mode, turning it around and focusing on something in particular, a hands-on task. Could be restringing your guitar, uh, could be dusting, could be rearranging boxes in the garage, but a hands-on task that will accomplish that sleight of mind, distracting yourself from the anxiety that you're feeling and focusing your energy on something more discreet, more concrete, and often utterly mindless. My second tip for getting to the flip side on anxiety is what I call getting down with OPP, other people's problems. 
It is hard to experience anxiety about something if you don't allow yourself the mental space to dwell on it. So a good way is to fill your mental space dwelling on other people's shit. Call your sister, call your mom, chat up your neighbor over the wall, um, but ask people how they're doing. Give them a chance to expand, explain, complain to you. And actually, I find that it activates a really productive and effective part of my brain when I'm giving other people advice. It somehow makes me feel like, oh, maybe I do know how to get through this thing myself as I've just explained it pretty concisely to someone else. Um, Again, this is a way to reframe. It's a way to shift your mindset. And it's a way to get out of your own head and your own worries for a while by focusing on somebody else's. Again, sleight of mind. Now, how about getting to the flip side of sadness? What's another word for sadness, for grieving, for feeling blue, for moping? You're hurting. You're hurting. So you need some time to heal. And you can grant yourself a reasonable amount of time to be sad and indulge in that and cry and do all that stuff. But eventually, when you want to stop wallowing and when you want to make it to the flip side, you can repair with self-care. My first tip, laughter is the best medicine. And I know, just like saying calm the fuck down to somebody who's in the middle of an anxious moment is not necessarily what they want to hear, turn that frown upside down is not always welcome advice. But the fact is, it's really hard to feel sad when you're smiling. And there are ways to inject doses of joy into your day. Um, Personally, when I am feeling particularly down, there is somebody who shall not be named who does a very funny dance to a CNC Music Factory song that just makes me laugh. You know, it snaps me out of that, gets me to the flip side, even for just a few minutes. And the longer you spend on the flip side, the more you're going to want to be there. So if you know that your freakout face tends towards sadness, keep an arsenal of stuff that is reliably going to make you feel better, that's going to make you laugh. You know, maybe it's cat videos. Maybe it's Pitch Perfect 2, which was just as good as Pitch Perfect 1, in my opinion. Maybe it's watching uh, YouTube videos of people coming out of anesthesia at the dentist. You know, some people are really into that shit. But whatever the case, if you keep a kind of mental inventory of things like this on hand so that when you know you are feeling that sadness creeping in, or maybe it's been there for a while and you know it's really time to get out of it so that you can be happy and pleasant and productive again, and again with the caveat that if you are experiencing clinical depression, that is not going to be so easy and you should talk to a professional, um, turn that frown upside down, man. Laugh it out. My second tip for getting to the flip side of sadness is you're in for a treat. When someone else is sad, how do you make them feel better? You know, do you bring them food? Do you send them a nice card? Do you call them up on the phone and try to cheer them up? All of these are things that you can do for yourself. Well, maybe not calling yourself up on the phone, but, uh, you know, there's no end to the amount of things you can do to be just as kind to yourself as you would be to somebody else who was going through the sad period that you find yourself going through now. And all of it can really work wonders. Some of us like to go balls out and eat our feelings. Some of us just want to have a massage. Some of us want to go for a nature walk. 
take a bubble bath, go see a movie alone, buy yourself some flowers, take a nap. If your freakouts take the form of sadness, you're exhausted, you're in pain, you need to re-energize, replenish, and you need to heal. So treat yourself the same way you would treat a friend in need. Coming up next, anger. How do you deal with that? You've got a lot of energy and you are about to burn it off in a spectacular way. You need to peace out, as I said before, with perspective. Stop and visualize the consequences of the actions you're about to take and change course before you make things worse. Tip number one, work it out. Now, I'm sure that you have heard before that exercise is a great way to combat anxiety. It's also a great way to use up the energy that you would spend punching a wall or, God forbid, a person and redirect it into another way. Now, maybe in the moment, in the heat of the moment, you are not able to drop everything and go to the gym and start pummeling on a speed bag. But you can almost certainly excuse yourself, step away. Um, For example, if you're in the airport and you are dangerously close to engaging in Mexican airport syndrome, you could stop, you could walk away, you could decide to take an amble around Terminal A until you cool off. If you are in your office building and you are very angry at a coworker or at your boss, do you have a stairwell? you could excuse yourself and just jog up and down the stairwell three or four times until you don't feel quite so angry. Serotonin, also known as the happiness hormone, is released when you do physical activity. This is just science, guys, and I'm giving you a way to incorporate that science into your daily life. You can excuse yourself and you can take a brisk walk around the block. You can do some jumping jacks. You can go outside and do a cartwheel. You can do a cartwheel down the hallway of your apartment building. There are lots of ways to work it out to transform the energy that you're about to put into an angry action that is going to make things worse and instead put it towards something that will calm you down, like science says it will, and make things better, and get you to the flip side. Okay, and after that somewhat pedestrian tip, I have saved my best and favorite tip for the follow-up. This is for all the angry people out there, and although I do not get angry very often, I will tell you, I will admit that I have used this tip myself in the rare circumstances that I find myself seething with anger, and it has absolutely helped. I call it plotting your revenge. First of all, please note that I said plotting, not exacting your revenge, okay? The idea here is to conduct sleight of mind to refocus those angry thoughts you're having into thoughts that make you feel better, not to necessarily go out and pour clam juice in the open window of your enemy's car so that it will smell like the briny ocean depths until the end of time, but rather just to think about doing that, to think about how you might pull that one off and how good it would feel after you did. Personally, I have thought about writing my enemy's phone number on the wall of a sketchy bar bathroom. I have thought about ordering a 4 a.m. wake-up call to somebody's hotel room who's pissed me off. I have thought about filling their pants pockets with gum right before they go into the wash. 
And I have not done any of these things, but the mere act of thinking them through has served to calm me down and help dissipate my anger so that I can get over it and let it go and move on with my life. And the final freak out face avoidance or ostrich mode. If anxiety has you overstimulated and overthinking and needing to focus to get to the flip side, avoidance is the opposite. It has you paralyzed with indecision and inaction. So you have got to take a step, any step forward to bust yourself out of it. My first tip to induce sleight of mind is get alarmed. This is when you set an alarm on your alarm clock, on your smartphone, on your stopwatch, whatever it might be. But you set yourself an alarm for some point in the future, could be 15 minutes, could be tomorrow, knowing that when that alarm goes off, you've promised yourself you are going to take action on the thing you're avoiding. In this case, you're leaving it up to the robots. You're setting the alarm and it is going to go off of its own volition, and you are then going to be forced into a reckoning. You're going to have to focus, even for just a moment, even long enough to put it on snooze and decide that you want to keep avoiding the thing that you've been avoiding. The fact is, you will have forced yourself to take an action. You'll have forced yourself, if nothing else, to turn off that alarm. But hopefully, you will have succeeded in jolting yourself into action. And look, as I said earlier, I find myself in ostrich mode every once in a while, and, you know, there are ways to get out of it. I'm not trying to say that you should never be sad, that you should never get mad, that you should never put off something that is unpleasant or that you don't really want to have to deal with. But the fact is, if you remain in those freak out modes, then you will either never get anything accomplished or you will make whatever it is worse than it had to be. So what I'm trying to do with these tips, and particularly with Get Alarmed, is grant yourself some time to avoid it, but set yourself a deadline to take action, which, when you think about it, is kind of the best of both worlds for my ostriches out there. The final tip is even better. I call it Propose a Trade. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that if your predominant freakout face is ostrich mode, then you're probably not just avoiding one thing, you are avoiding multiple things. So one way to move forward into the flip side is to make a deal with yourself that you're actually allowed to continue avoiding one thing if you promise to take action on another. The thing is, human beings love choice. They love to have options, and it makes us very anxious when options are closed off. So in this case, if your freakout face is avoidance, you can keep your options open. You can decide, all right, I want to still be able to avoid doing one thing, but in a trade, I will take action on something else. So like if you're avoiding making an appointment at the dermatologist to get a suspicious mole looked at, and you're also avoiding balancing your checkbook, pick one. Do that one and put off the other. There, you still get to be an ostrich, but you've made it to the flip side on that other thing. I'm not judging. I know how it is. All of the advice that I give on the No Fucks Given podcast is predicated on making your life better, whatever that means for you. 
If you have to do a little negotiating with yourself to get from point A to point B, go nuts. Whatever works, bitches. Coming up, the NFG tip of the week, but first, a super quick recap of everything we talked about today. The three pillars of calming the fuck down are acknowledge, accept, address. You've got to acknowledge what happened, you've got to accept the reality of it, and then you can address it, you can move forward. If you want, you can go back and listen to last week's episode for tips on managing anxiety largely over shit that hasn't happened yet. Whereas this week, we've talked a little bit more about shit that already has, that has sent you into freakout mode. As I mentioned, you can go to nofucksgivenguides.com and check out my quiz, Which Freakout Face Are You? That'll help you get even a little bit more specific on what to look for, why that freakout face is bad, and then all of the tips in this episode will help you deal with it. Speaking of, you got eight specific tips on engaging in sleight of mind to get to the flip side. You are a fucking magician. I gave you some normal ones like treating yourself to self-care and engaging in exercise, and I gave you some more unusual but equally useful ones like plotting your revenge. Go ahead, you try that one and tell me it doesn't make you feel better. Plus, I cautioned you on the perils of Mexican airport syndrome, and in fairness to my husband, I would like to invoke him again in a positive way in this week's NFG tip of the week. The tip is called Tonight You, Meet Tomorrow You. And this is another strategy that has its roots in the sleight of mind and is meant primarily to combat anxiety-induced sleeplessness and insomnia. But it comes from something really simple that my husband said to me once. I historically have trouble sleeping. I lay awake at night worried about all of the things on my to-do list for tomorrow, all of the things that could go wrong, all of the stuff I maybe haven't thought of yet. And he just looked at me one night. We were laying in bed and he said, Sarah, have you ever not gotten your shit done? Have you ever showed up unprepared to a meeting? Have you ever forgotten the time of a phone call you were supposed to make? No, you haven't. Tonight you can trust tomorrow you to get that shit done. And furthermore, your job tonight is to sleep. So why don't you let tonight you do her job and go to sleep and tomorrow you will do her job and deal with everything else? And you know what? It worked. And this is something I return to often when I can't sleep at night. I think tonight you, your job is to get to sleep. You don't have to worry about what tomorrow you is going to do because you know tomorrow you is going to have it under control. And furthermore, the best way to ensure that tomorrow you has everything under control is for tonight you to get a goddamn good night's sleep. So I want to publicly thank my husband for passing on that little strategy to me so many years ago, and now I hope that it will help some of you. And just for those who think it just sounds too good to be true, that this can't possibly work, I will respond, I don't see what you have to lose by trying it. And the amount of fan mail I get about this tip, which was featured in my book, Calm the Fuck Down, would suggest that it is definitely worth a shot. So there you have it, folks, the NFG tip of the week, tonight you meet tomorrow you. And coming up next week is going to be another installment of my monthly audio advice column, You Asked For It, where I answer as many 
listener questions as I can get to in one episode of the podcast. In the past, I've answered questions about navigating difficult family dynamics and helping a partner with their anxiety. I've given advice on how to deal with aggressive huggers and people who want to pick your brain for free and doled out lots of other advice on giving fewer better fucks and living your best life. So if you have a question for the You Asked For It audio advice column, you can email podcast at nofucksgivenguides.com or fill out the form on the podcast page of my website, nofucksgivenguides.com slash podcast. And that is it for today. Thank you again so much for listening. It has been a thrill to see the No Fucks Given podcast move up the charts. Thanks to folks like you who are tuning in and telling their friends. Um, If you're not already, please follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you follow, then you'll never miss a show. They come out every Tuesday. And if you liked what you heard, can I ask you to consider leaving me a rating or a review? It's really helpful for discoverability. And if you've already done that, then you are officially the best of the best. Thank you. Until next week, I'm Sarah Knight. No fucks given, not sorry. Sorry.